How to parent from the same page so your marriage stays on the same page. That's coming up next. A marriage that takes on the fostering journey. That's what we call a fostering marriage. And this is the show where you learn to keep your marriage the priority and make fostering fit into it, not the other way around. Hey, welcome back to the Fostering Marriage Show. And I do mean welcome back. Yeah, it's, it's been, been uh, you know, eight years. Or months. But, you know, we were looking for some land for years and years, and we finally, kind of out of the blue, found some We do, some place. I know. Let's go over a few things that have happened since our last uh, episode. A lot has happened. <laughs> a lot has happened. That is, many yeah. things have held us back from actually doing this show. But a lot of that is solved, hence why we're on the mic uh, and we're back. again. We're back. Yeah, so what's happened? So Let's see. First thing, we adopted yes. our, yes, our we foster did. kids. Yeah, so that was thing July. number one. Yep. That didn't take much time away from us, though, truthfully. No. That was just... A formality, a formality of adoption of... of getting two new Fortner children. Yeah. And then, let's see. Well, we'd been looking for many years, and we've finally found a place. It was kind of out of the blue. And we had a condition that we had to sell our house within a certain number of days. And so we went into overdrive of getting the house ready and all the things to move. Yeah. And then the moving process. And then we moved out here. And there's been a and ton of work. And there's been nothing to do there's since we so moved. There's been so much work. We, we bought a little bit of a fixer-upper. And there's been a little bit of fixing up and going on. Yeah. We had a lot of expected things we knew we were getting and we were cool with that. And then we've had a lot of unexpected things happen in the house. So that's been eating up a ton of our time and energy. And of course, I work a full-time job and yada, yada, yada. So if we, this is going to start sounding like too many excuses. But some of it is because we reach a point and we're like, I'm just so tired. Yeah. It's like, when are we going to actually record some podcasts? We've and had many, do this show? many conversations of like, we just, we just need to do it. The people are waiting. <laughs> Ever how many that may be. All two of you. <laughs> well, um, today we are discussing parenting from the same page. So why is this important, Joel Fortner? What are we going to talk about? Well, being on the same page is just, it's such a critical thing because, you know, when it comes to marriage, unity is critical. And being on the same page with your parenting, especially in a high stress dynamic situation like fostering or adopting, it's incredibly important. So we're going to get into a lot of keys that we see that are important for parenting from the same page, having high levels of quality communication so we can stay unified as a couple. Yeah, we definitely want to be on the same page and be be a team. I know when there have been the very rare moments when we haven't been on the same page and we have not communicated or whatever, I can feel like I am isolated. I'm doing this on my own. And so obviously we need to fix those those moments. And, you know, it's best for everybody if we're all on the same yeah. page. You know, marriage is one of those things that you always have to be working on. Or you have to be solving conflict well when conflict arises. Yeah. That you know, there's the old cliche. It's like you know, you can't just put your marriage on autopilot, and which is totally true. You yeah. can't just put it on autopilot. But so many of us are guilty of doing that, of just moving on, coasting, because our kids were so busy. Our yeah. kids are involved in a million things. 
Um, life is busy, schedules are busy, taking care of just a home is busy, laundry, cleaning, groceries, solving problems, all of that is so incredibly busy. And then your marriage can be like, well, we're married and now we're moving forward and we've been married for five years or 10 years and so we're good. Yeah. And so we just move on in life and all of a sudden we're finding we're not solving conflict well, we don't have enough quality time together, Our, the communication starts to just degrade. Yeah. So the communication, when that falters, it's like sometimes I think it's not a big deal at first or it feels like it's not a big deal at first. But if you let that go, you know, <laughs> as uh, I may be guilty of a time or two, you know, that ends up causing major conflict or even if it's minor, that stuff builds. And so being intentional so that we can continually be unified is super important Um, You know, one thing specifically for us is, you know, we have these kids that we've been fostering and now have adopted. But one thing that's really important for all children, but particularly for them, is consistency. And when we haven't communicated, when we're not on the same page, they can sense it. And sometimes they don't even have to sense it. Sometimes it's really obvious. And so for the stability of our kids, for their health, their emotional health, um, it's really important for us to stick together and be on the same page and communicate well. Yeah, and the communication um, is so vital, especially when it comes to decision making. Because if you're, commu- you're to the extent your communication is low quality, your decision making process as a couple yeah. will be low quality. You will probably make a decision, <laughs> but it will it be the best decision? Yeah. Will it be as good of a decision even if not the best decision that you can select from the whole world of information. But you're going to make better decisions when your communication is better, and you're going to make better decisions when you already have this page of parenting that you've already created. Yeah, I love that you just said that, because it's it's not even just us communicating necessarily in the moment, but there is a level of proactive communication. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but being ready for when situations come up that you're already on the same page. Yeah, totally. I think another great thing that you brought up there about the consistency thing is that how much security that it actually provides for kids. Like when mom and dad are like, they are unified, they are one entity, Yeah. that one, you start getting less of that, well, let me go to one parent to get <laughs> and manipulate and get yeah. the thing that I want or try to control an outcome. It actually provides such security and stability for your kids because they realize they just feel like they feel safer because you actually are creating boundaries. Yeah. So we've been talking about Mary Beth and I, you know, you, you and I have been talking a lot about this lesson that I'm writing and that I want to teach in January. And the lesson is called winning contentment. And it's like, that's something you have to fight for. Hence the title, Winning Contentment. You have to go for it. You have to see it as something we have to strive for. So where am I going with all this? Boundaries, limits, constraints lead to contentment. And that's exactly what our kids need. They need boundaries and limits because it actually builds this invisible barrier around them of which they can now settle in and feel safe and feel more comfortable especially when you're bringing children into your home who aren't your kids biologically Mm -hmm. or you're bringing them into your home with other kids and they've got trauma in their background, how much more 
boundaries, limits, and constraints do they actually need? And then they need to feel loved and they need to experience consistency within those limits and boundaries. So now let's get into this a little bit and start talking about your parenting approach or your approach to parenting. This is the proactive stuff that you were just talking a little bit about a little while ago. So starters, mindset is key. Where are you operating from? What's your mindset? What's your belief system? What are the things that you tell yourself? What are the things that you've worked out between you and your spouse? So number one here is remembering that marriage is the number one team in your life. Team, let me enunciate. (laughs) It's not number one teen, unless you're 18 years old and you're married, and then it would be the number one teen. But you've got to see your marriage as this is the team that is number one. I have to invest into this team. I have to protect this team. I have to constantly be working on unity with this team. I have to constantly be communicating with this team. But I experience, especially in my professional work, a lot of married couples don't have that mindset. So therefore, they don't have the behavior necessary to actually produce a a quality, healthy, unified team called a marriage. Yeah. So one of the things I feel like that makes that happen is, well, I think one of the biggest things is communication Um, and asking questions, gaining perspective from the other person is so important. We want to make sure that we understand what the other person is saying or feeling or struggling with um, and not make assumptions. So like in our in our marriage over the years, as we've learned to do this better, like for you, how has asking questions, gaining perspective, um, how for you, how is that? How have you experienced that helping our communication? Well, gosh, that's a good question. I feel like there have been so many times where maybe I was just making an assumption or you said something or did something and I received it a certain way because of all the reasons that I did. Um, And so instead of just going, wow, that was kind of a rude thing to say or whatever, or just sitting in that kind of just negative feeling If I go and I'm like, hey, what did you mean when you said this? And I'm not like, what did you mean, jerk? (laughs) Yeah, with all the the tone. But but just like, hey, what do you mean? And, And it comes back to, for me, it comes back to thinking about who you are and what is your character. So early days of our marriage... I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been like, well, Joel loves me. He's a great guy. He's kind and he's caring. And I wouldn't have gone to that place. I would have just been like, wow, he was really selfish right then, you know? And so I went to a negative place instead of a positive place. And so when I choose to go to that more positive, okay, I know who you are and you're not this selfish jerk. So were you in the moment being selfish or did I receive that wrong? And so when I go and I just ask you, you know, if it was something, I know we we brought up that that story, I forget what story we brought up in the past, but the one that we tend to bring up as, oh, when you were oversleeping, if you've listened to earlier podcasts, you know, it was like, yeah, that was a selfish thing for you to have done. But 
when we just calmly communicated about mm-hmm. it, bam, the problem was solved. Yep. Right? It didn't take a fight. It didn't take me, you know, being angry about it, although I was. I could have chosen to discuss it earlier. Mm-hmm. And it would have been solved earlier. Yep. But going to your personality is one to stuff things, yep. avoid conflict, and wait it out. <laughs> and then it boils up, and then that's where the communication can be very bad. Yeah. And then, because if you have not listened to that episode, what happened was you brought it up, and as soon as you brought it up, you asked me a question. You mm-hmm. said, is sleeping in really important to you? And I basically said, no. I need to change it. I've already been thinking about that and knowing that I need to. Right. And then bam, it's done. Rather than judging or attacking, you know, me or being a victim to the situation and attacking me because as I'm the sleeping bad guy, you know, it, the communication was one of, okay, let me control myself and actually come and ask a question, which that's, it can be a game changer for a lot mm-hmm. of couples Yeah. is instead of making a statement, what should I ask my spouse? Yeah. To start to gain perspective, as any anything is a better replacement than attacking your your spouse. <laughs> That's true. So I w- there was this podcast I was listening to the other day, and um, someone that I follow and just absolutely love, and she said she, it was a marriage minded podcast, and she's like, "Don't save up your resentments for a rainy day." And I just loved that line. I'm like, that is so true, and for my personality style. It's something that I tend to have to fight. Yeah, totally. It's a thing. I mean, it's a thing we've talked about for years through our whole relationship. You know, you will go and we're, guys, we're going to get into personality styles on our next. We're going to do a two part episode on personality styles coming up that you want to listen to, ladies and gentlemen, because this it's game changing information to really get it, understand it at a really deep level and practice it every day. But it's a thing that you've had to deal with and that we've we've both have in terms of how do we contribute to conflict in our marriage due to immaturity in our in our personality styles. Yeah. So another way that that we want to make sure that we're on the same page is being willing to be flexible if an approach in our parenting isn't working. Um, I know we have tried different things with particularly with one of our foster children that adopted children now yeah um, i'm still i'm still i know from time should we, to time. are we gonna have to change the name of the show no, we've only put out like four episodes <laughs> no we'll keep it the same we'll keep it the same um but there have been times where it's like we are are trying this approach and it feels like you're banging your head against a wall and but the book said it should work right and so we need to be flexible but in being flexible we need to communicate that we are both changing we are both like what strategy how are we going to approach this and being on that that same page together yeah totally and that's that's where it's like hey i need to go communicate with my spouse about this instead of just changing my particular approach because i'm the parent that's home all day and you go to work or vice or whatever it may be or having the the pride of and the arrogance of no my way is better yeah and then you find out it's failing as well um, the more selfishness that you can remove from your communication, the better. And that's where gaining perspective, asking questions, honoring honoring each other's opinions and input is so key. But I think another point on this key is being willing 
to actually go seek new information. Yeah. Go research. Go look yeah. stuff up. Which ask is, people who've been exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Because this is hard, and who says you have to know everything? But we can tell ourselves and convince ourselves that well, I should just know how to do parenting and know how to do parenting with foster kids because of our own personal struggles actually are the things that hold us back and in that kind of thinking where we need to go get more information if you're implementing something wrong or it's nothing's working and it's being a being a constant learner in this journey of fostering and adopting yeah so one of the other keys that we've talked about that i absolutely love it's probably my favorite one is extending grace to each other um, particularly when you're new to fostering, but really anytime, I think when you can extend grace to another person, it's a great thing. Um, you know, I have seen you struggle. You have seen me struggle. We bring these kids into our home and I mean, shoot, even our biological kids can cause us to be frustrated sure. or whatever at times, you know? And so I think that that thing of extending grace to each other and just not being like, Hey, you know, you need to just you need to just chill right now, you know. So there's a time and a place to hold each other accountable, but there's also a time and a place to extend grace to each other. Yeah, totally. I mean, otherwise you've got judgment, you've got attack going on, um, you've got triggering off of each other because you're seeing the other spouse struggle, yeah. and that may send you to a place in your mind of hopelessness or fear or stress. Because you're watching your spouse struggle, or it may be things that you start to take on personally, Mm. or you may take on a mindset of I'm responsible for my spouse's emotions. And then you start to jump in, in terms of trying in communicating with them, but it contributes to conflict because your spouse is over here struggling and feeling out of control. And so, which leads to even more stress and even more conflict. So figuring out the balance of when to do grace, when to do accountability, when to press in, that's kind of an art. That's yeah. a getting to know your spouse. It's getting. It's also figuring out, is this important enough? Is there really like, hey, let me do accountability, meaning in the form of like, hey, what's, you know, what's maybe you need to chill um, or asking questions to find out, hey, what's going on with you? Um, which is a fantastic form of accountability rather than knock it off, which is terrible. Yeah. But actually asking questions to find out how are they doing? How are they feeling? That's an art form that you, the more you practice good communication, uh, the better that balance of grace and accountability will, you'll get, you'll just get better with it. Yeah. And I feel like you're really good at that with me as far as, you know, when I'm in that struggle place, you don't usually call me out. You know, if, if it's something that you feel like, hey, maybe we should talk about this, you wait until I've kind of just chilled a little bit anyway. You know, you don't like in that moment. And, you know, for us, that's that works. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a lot of times I know you're going to get over it. Yeah. Like, I don't need to say anything. Right. I know it's like you need, we're talking about this and you're frustrated about this or whatever it may be. But I also know... It's like, yeah, this is probably something you're going to get over and get past anyway on your own. Yeah. Um, And it's not affecting me negatively. It's something that you're struggling with. Right. And so I don't need to add, you know, I don't need to like press in and go deep with you in every (laughs) single little moment. Right. I can just let you get over it. Yep. So what are some of the keys to being on the same page? And I think earlier in the podcast, I mentioned 
being proactive in communicating about certain things. For example, how are we going to approach discipline? Joel, how are we going to approach discipline? (laughs) Well, this is a huge one because this is a source of conflict for many couples is how do we do it? You've got parents who are like, we should do it this way. And parents are like, nope, I don't like that. You've got parents that are okay with spanking. You've got some that don't. Um, you've got, no, this child just needs to be loved, in cre- like over-the-top loved, and they don't need discipline. Right. Or they need to be coddled and rescued. Right. Or, or like, no, we just need to take them in and embrace them. And you've got another parent that's like, no, they, they, we've got to be harder on them. And it's like, where are we? How do we parent from the same page? And it comes back to how great is your communication? But also digging in and understanding, well, why is my preference my preference? Well, it may be because it was what you grew up with. Yeah. And the other parent is like, no, it's like that's or that's that's not what I grew up with. So I don't agree with that approach. And then you've got this heightened stress situation of fostering and it's like well how how do we actually do this well and even i'm going to totally jump over you right now but you know you go through all that training and they're like this is how you know you should be parenting and whatever with a foster child but maybe that's never how you've parented maybe you didn't grow up with that and everything is so new and it feels difficult or or Overwhelming. overwhelming that's the word i was going for yeah and so i think having those conversations beforehand and how are we going to do this because i mean we've had to, to change some of our parenting strategies for you know I mean, yeah we've had to change them an infinite number of times over the last few years where you know our biological kids much more steady and consistent um having our two adopted kids super different especially for the more strong-willed dominant personality when that comes with more stuff. He came with more fear, more trauma that's in his body. But the behavior was so terrible at times, and I mean super terrible at times. It'd say, well, we can't let this go on. And so, well, what's the magic combination? Yeah. What's the magic where you're trying to find that unicorn parenting approach (laughs) that's super difficult to discover um, but it's something that you've constantly got to be actually communicating about and be willing to change when you're being consistent with something for a while. And it's like, nope, it's not having the actual, the desired result that we're after. Yeah. And and kind of even going along, you know, we're talking about discipline, but hand in hand with that is praise. And, you know, for us, we experienced, hey, we praise this particular child and then everything goes haywire i mean just absolutely berserk this was a this is a fascinating one that we've talked about that we still experience to this day yeah so it's just like how do we praise this child how often how because again it's almost like you give this child praise and this child is just like i can't i can't accept it now i'm gonna go crazy and it's almost like self-sabotage and so we're we're like, okay, again, what is that balance? Because we don't want to just constantly correct this child and never offer them praise. And, yeah. and, you know, we want them to feel loved and praised and accepted and all of those things that, of course, as foster parents and adoptive parents, that's what we want our children to feel. But it's like, how do you do that? And so we've had many conversations on what's the best approach. So to explain that even a little bit more detail, 
the situation that we've experienced is that we've got a, a child that would do very well throughout the day. And we're both pretty encouraging people. Well, then we, our instinct is to, hey, let's praise that and give that positive reinforcement. And then there is a trend of then, as soon as we do that, that whole day's gray behavior goes away. Yeah. And the hinge point of the pattern is when we praise. Yeah. And so looking at it, that's where your point about, is this self-sabotage? And you think, gosh, can a three, four, five-year-old really self-sabotage? And I believe the answer is yes. Because I don't, I don't have this in concrete and stone yet, but this is also bringing what I do professionally into, into parenting, is looking at some people when they struggle with worth to such a degree, or of really not, they struggle with worth meaning unworthiness, that self-sabotaging behavior is, looks like ruining good things. Or, I have the praise now, now let me go to this bad behavior and then see, is it a test? Is it a test of boundaries? Is it a, will you still love me even when I now behave this way? So these are all things that we're actually looking at and analyzing with, uh, with our five-year-old. So another key is, what if more support is needed? This is a great thing to talk about in advance of actually fostering kids because you know you're probably going to need it. And it's getting into, okay, what do we do if support is actually needed? And I'll tell you, it's probably going to be needed. Just parents of, you know, parents with kids in normal situations need time. And so when you're fostering and you're facing a whole new set of challenges and you're learning so much and you're personally struggling with your child, whatever it may be, you need support. And support isn't just a break away from your kids. It also can include, like, what if we need therapy? What if we need counseling? What if we need financial support? Like, what do we do and how do we handle these situations? Yeah, one of those things that you need to discuss is what level are you willing and what level do you need? But also, there are things that can hold you back from getting that support. You know, you may feel like I rely on these people too much and you feel guilty and then you feel like you can't do it. Or maybe you feel prideful and I should have this and I'm good enough or whatever don't allow those things to hold you back from getting the support. You know, just have that conversation with your spouse on what do we need? What does this need to look like? Yeah, there is no trophy in being prideful of I've got this or taking the whole I've got this approach. We don't need help. We're okay. Pride and guilt both root from insecurity within us. Insecurity says I've got it all. Insecurity says that I have to make sure that other people think that we're doing a good job and we can handle this. Um, So now you convince yourself of things and you don't actually ask for support or you're afraid of showing weakness or you start to feel like, well, people are going to think that, you know, that we can't handle it. They're going to think that, you know, that we're, that I'm a failure as a parent. Or guys, if you've got a judgy person in your life, that starts to then be like, well, you know, I told you this was going to be hard. Or I blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, you know, it's thank you. Okay, that's the person you don't need to have for support. That's the person you need to keep at a distance or you need to have a healthy boundary with because they are more interested in themselves and their opinion of your choices in life than they actually are cared, actually than they care about you. 
So it's important to be able to see that to know this person isn't healthy enough to actually be a person that we use for support. Yeah. So another key is what support systems can you use? Um, we have used respite care. We've used family. We've used friends. We've used babysitters. All those things are great. Um, I think one of the things you need to discuss beforehand is who are you going to use and you know, can you talk to them about, hey, this is what our family needs at this time. This is what we have as a family agreed on is how we're going to approach discipline, praise, parenting in general. We had a couple of babysitters that we had to just quit using. Um, you know, they were young, first of all, but one of them just was not comfortable. I mean, <laughs> she would let the the one child just be complete insanity. And then the other kids were just like, oh my gosh, this was awful. And it wasn't, it actually became an unsafe environment. So we had to quit using her and then one other for basically the same reason. Um, you know, and we've had to talk to family members or, or friends about, hey, this is what these kids need and have had to be like, this is something that we need you to do. Yeah, which that can be a hard thing, especially when you get into family, because you're, if your family isn't good at receiving your direction, or if you have a mindset of, hey, I'm not going to tell you know, my parents or my sister or my brother how to do this and how to parent, let's just let them handle it however they want. And then one spouse is like, no, that's, that's not a good thing. We actually need to provide boundaries and provide direction, which... I agree. I think you we should you should totally be able to do that because you're the parents that it's not just letting someone come and actually take the kids for a while. If you don't like their parenting style or whatever it may be, set up the people for success who are actually going to be helping you with your kids. What information do they need to know? What preferences do they need to know? Down to very specific details like, you know, like of of our 5-year-old struggled with transitions for the longest time he still does he still struggles with transitions so he has to be coached through transitions at times so you may need to tell a parent a brother a friend hey when you're bringing them back home these are the kinds of things we'd like for you to tell the child it's whatever it's like what is needed to set up those people for success is absolutely key and hopefully you have people in your life that won't get all bent out of shape and defensive about that yeah. So we've talked about all these things that, you know, we're like, let's be intentional and talk about all this beforehand so that we're on the same page beforehand. And then the kids come <laughs> and everything changes. Or maybe it doesn't, but definitely some things will change. Yep. Um, you know, you. I know I remember when we went through all of our training and it was like, okay, I feel ready. And then we got the kids. I was like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, because that, I mean, it's like getting, it's any type of training. It's like you get into now it's game day yeah, and it's a whole new set of variables. But you also don't anticipate, how am I going to be triggered? Yeah. We look at things like, well, if that happens, this is what we'll do. Well, if that happens, this is what we'll do. And it seems that sometimes very easy or you know what we'll do this or we'll reach out for support on this you don't factor in your emotions <laughs> right you don't factor right. in your own triggers knowing like okay is that how am i how much how out of control am i probably going to feel when this situation is in my face and then you respond from a place of anger frustration or feeling out of control 
all that stress response. And now it's an entirely different situation because you now have got to learn self-management, not just managing the situation. You have to learn to manage you because if you can never manage you, you're never going to manage the situation well. Yeah. So, you know, this is, I think, a lot of times where that grace that we talked about earlier is going to come into play especially when somebody is feeling triggered, but also asking questions and gaining perspective from each other and just seeing, okay, what are you feeling right now? How can I help you? What's going on? Or maybe you see what's going on and you see that the other person is just like crazy and you're like, okay, I'm going to step in. You go (laughs) read a book or take the other kids or whatever. And you step in and just, you know, you know what, you know your spouse, you know, but communicate in those moments of what do you need and how can I help or asking just different questions. What if you don't have great unity in your marriage, though? Well, that's when the cartoon character with the frying pan comes out. And that's probably why you don't have great (laughs) unity in your marriage. Yeah, where I'm going with that is like, what if your, your marriage isn't in a place where you actually feel safe or you feel Um, I'll use the word comfortable. Um, Maybe you don't feel comfortable talking to your spouse about your vulnerabilities and weaknesses and where you're failing because of your own pride. Or you don't feel comfortable sharing them because you're married to someone who's a bit controlling and they will jump on your failures and insecurities and jump all over you because look at what you're doing to this child and you're making things worse for them and yada, yada, yada. We can see how circling all the way back to the beginning of the show today about working on the marriage and treating the marriage like it's team number one is so critical because in those moments, you're not acting like it's team number one. Yeah, that's such a great point. Um, Again, and I think hand in hand with that is having humility and communicating with love towards your spouse. And it, it does take two, but if it's not both of you doing it, be the one who's doing it, you know, be the person who's going to be like, okay, I'm going to have humility and I'm going to communicate with love. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be gentle in my tone. Especially here because we're talking about like when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. Like you're, it's game day. The kids are now here. You're now doing the situation or you've added another child to your home and your family and you're in the thick of it. It's like, this is where it's real. This is where the emotions are real. The stressors, the triggers, the heightened, um, everything is real and you're tired, or you're worn out, or you feel desperate, or you feel hopeless, or you feel worn down, you're in the thick of it. And so this is where humility and grace and gentleness is so critical. Uh, We're not saying don't have accountability. If if one of you needs help, get the help. If one of, if going back to the support issue, if you need help, if you need counseling, if you need to talk to someone, if you are like, you know what, this situation is revealing things in me that aren't healthy at all, then just go get help. There's no trophy in staying where you're at. It should not be this loss of self-worth because you recognize that I'm flawed and that I've got weaknesses and that I'm not doing well personally, but my spouse is doing much better. Whoop-de-doo. That's great. It's great that your other spouse, the spouse is doing better. But if you're the one who's struggling, go get support and help. It doesn't lower your 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 worth as an individual at all. 
you're doing something very hard. Most families don't foster because it's too hard. You've chosen to actually do it. And so you've put yourself in a very vulnerable, compromising situation as with the kids that you're bringing into your home, that you're in the same compromising, vulnerable situation. You don't have to have it all together. So don't tell yourself or believe that you have to have it all together. Go get the help that you need. Yeah, I like all that. That's really good information. So also, I want to say, you know, speaking of information, we talked about seeking out information, you know, not necessarily even just a counselor, but what books, what courses can you take? And also, I'm going to add in here, you know, prayer and, and asking God for wisdom, because I'll tell you what, there have been times, I don't know if I've shared this story on the show before, but um, I teach piano and I had one particular family come and just, I always do a meetup to see, you know, is this going to be a good fit for everybody? And we got into a conversation on fostering and I don't even know how that conversation came about because our foster kids at the time were not even in the house. But the conversation came up and she recommended these two resources that for me were a game changer. And it was funny because it was in one of those little moments in time when I was just like, man, I feel like once again, I'm beating my head against a wall and I don't know what else to do. I had gone back. I had read a book or two that we had gotten from training. It, it Nothing seemed to, to be helping. And I'm like, I don't know what else to do here. And I remember just praying and going, God, I don't, I don't know. I need some help here. And I'm like, all right, I got this, this piano student coming. And so I meet her. Funnily enough, they ended up having a, a situation where they moved and didn't end up taking lessons. And she's like, I feel so bad for wasting your time. I'm like, are you kidding me? The book you recommended totally changed things for us. I think God brought them just for that reason. Yeah. And yeah, and I haven't even finished the book. <laughs> I didn't even read it all. And I it did. was still it was still super duper, super duper helpful. Yes, you're referring to the one book um, um Beyond Consequences, Logic and Control. Yeah. 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 I think for us because we it, all that makes sense. Logic, consequences, control, all things that we struggle with as people generally, especially control. But when logic isn't working, consequences isn't working, or if you're more of a controller style parent, control isn't working, what do I do? And it's being able to, it teaches you to tap into the deeper issues that are actually going on with your child, which helps you change your parenting approach to that child if you can make those decisions and get past whatever your force of habit style of parenting is. Yeah. So another issue, another key for when you're when you're fostering and you're in the thick of it is, what about when we've talked and we just don't agree? Like you've talked it to, to the end and it's like we, we just are not going to agree on the approach, on the whatever it is. It's like, what do we do? And so it's like, what are, what are your thoughts? Like, what do, we, what do we do when we don't agree as married people? Well, I mean, this is, somebody's got to be willing to bend because at the end of the day, unity is what we're aiming for and that's what we want so who's going to be willing to bend and just try the other person's approach just just try it and maybe it won't work and that's okay maybe i would say please hold back from saying i told you so but you know be willing to try their approach because there's going to be times that they try your approach and it's not going to work either but let's have some humility let's 
be willing to bend and lean in the other person's direction every now and then. You're so right. You've got to get rid of the, I told you so if it doesn't work. And that's that's prideful. It's contributing to conflict. It's not treating your marriage as if it's team number one. It's, well, and who it, wants to be taught? I mean, I would be so mad if you talked to me that way. So why would I sure. ever talk to you that way? Yeah, totally. You know? And so it's your your communication is so vital here when you when you disagree because it's like okay you may even see it and be like this is going to fail this isn't going to work and then you're like i'm going to try it and then it's say okay that actually it failed and it didn't work okay let's recover from there now let's talk about it again you know don't go back to the original and be like see i told you this wasn't going to work right if you would just listen to me You know, and here comes, wow, here we go. pride. <laughs> exactly. Here comes all the pride and arrogance showing up in your communication. It's just not loving communication. It's not communication that produces unity. Um, another struggle that people can have in this is just the need to be right. Mm. And that my way is the right way. Even if you contradict yourself, because people who struggle with needing to be right contradict themselves all the time, and they don't even realize they contradict themselves. But then, because the focus is on being right in the moment that they're communicating with their spouse. And their spouse is like, yeah, but the other day you said this. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I would never say that. I don't even know where, like, where you, you just don't remember that correctly. I'm going to start recording everything you say. <laughs> and here we are. But guys, this is where some of you all may be. Yeah. This is where we need to focus on in the marriage. We need to work on the marriage. We need to get help and support so that we can work on each other work on our personal struggles so that our communication can improve, so that we can have the intimacy and the unity that everyone, or I would assume most people or everyone wants in their marriage. Yeah. So I feel like another way we can approach this is when we don't agree is keep talking, but you feel like you've talked it to the end. Well, okay. Why don't, have you asked questions? What are you objecting to? What are your difficulties in and seeing my point of view, maybe they don't actually understand what you're saying and they think they do. Or maybe they do, but they have questions or problems with it. Yeah. Have you ever been in those conversations where it's one of those later on conversations and you say things like, oh, I thought you meant fill in the blank. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that's what you were saying, but now the clarity came down the road. So keeping the conversation moving or keeping it moving and not making a decision. Sometimes that's perfectly okay because it's a huge issue perhaps you're talking about. So it's a, let's keep talking about it, but then let's get to a place where down the road we make a decision, but it is a, a you can, here's what doesn't work. Nope, it's, we've got to do it now. If we just keep, you know, quote, procrastinating, we're never going to make it, we're never going to make a decision or you may be married to someone who is a processor mm-hmm. and you're and you're a quick decision maker and that's your preference. It's a personality style issue is what it is. Yeah. So when you can look to your spouse and see you're a processor or you can look to your spouse and see this is a much bigger deal for them than it is for me. I need to give them time to actually think and process and we need to have many conversations about it, especially if it's like your desire to do the thing that you're wanting to do in parenting. But your spouse is like, man, this is a tough one for me. I'm not sure about this. We don't have to make a decision. 
honor, respect your spouse, and let's continue the conversation, keep it moving. Eventually, Eventually we yeah. need to yeah. get to a place where it's like, okay, we need to make a decision. And as you get closer to that over time, that will usually become clear. Yeah. And I was going to say, it's okay to table the discussion for a period of time and just say, hey, we're not getting anywhere today. Why don't we both think about it, process on it, whatever you need to do, and come back to it whatever date you set or In time you set. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. Five hours, five days. But but set that time and be like, hey, let's let's come back to this. This is an important conversation, but we aren't getting anywhere and it's only going to end in frustration and tears or just frustration. Yeah. <laughs> well, there it is, guys. Um, hopefully this has been helpful for you uh, in parenting from the same page. Hopefully there's been some some takeaways for you uh, that you're leaving with some things to go work on, to talk with your spouse about, unless you're listening to the show with your spouse. But we hope this has been helpful for you. Um, again, as I as I talked about earlier on the upcoming episode, uh, the next next episode um, next episodes are going to be a two part series on personality styles. Um, this is game changing information for married people, but for people in general, especially like when you're parenting your kids and you can parent them from a place of what's their personality style, it it can change everything for you. So we hope this has been helpful for you. Join us on the next episode of the Fostering Marriage Podcast.